listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. We exist to inspire people to live and love like Jesus. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. It's good to be in the house of God today. Come on, somebody. So we start a new series in a couple weeks, and it's going to be on a topic that we're all familiar with. Um, we're going to talk about hypocrisy for about four weeks in a couple weeks. That should be fun. Come on. Uh, but in the meantime, next Sunday, we are going to have a real special kind of missions-focused service. We're going to talk to you about all the cool things that our church is doing to meet needs, both locally and globally. And we're going to be sharing all kinds of cool opportunities for you to jump in and be a part of. Um, but today, maybe for the first time in the history of this church, I'm excited not to be preaching. Um, because in just a moment, you're going to hear one of the most powerful messages you will ever hear in all of your life. Uh, man, first service, it just wrecked us, and God was just working. And so be ready, because in just a moment, uh, my friend and my brother, Matt Rhodes, is going to come up on this platform. Matt and his wife, Deborah, have been, you know, you meet very few people in your life, and you just know they're going to be there forever. Come on, somebody. Amen. Like, there's very few people like that. We've been friends for many, many years, and if it wasn't for Matt and Deborah, uh, you might not be here because there might not be a vintage church. Because Matt and Deborah were one of the first few people that I told about the vision and dream that has become this church. And from that first conversation, they have believed in me and us and have prayed for us and supported us. He has been the one that I have called when I felt like uh, maybe this wasn't going to keep going and I wanted to throw in the towel. And he's been the one that has encouraged me and prayed for me through dark moments of my life. He's just the kind of friend that you only dream about and he is anointed by God, and God has done amazing things through he and Deborah and their ministry, and I'm excited for you to hear a word from him. So when he's preaching, shout him down. Go ahead and practice. Say amen, church. Come on. Amen. That is terrible. Let's try that one more time. Say amen, church. Come on. Amen. Show him some love. Welcome my friend Matt Rhodes to the platform. Well, good morning, Minute Church. Man, I, I'm telling you, I am so excited to be here. Because I, I love to preach. I love to talk about Jesus. He's done an amazing work in my life. So I want to tell people about it. But also, I'm excited to be here. Like Matt shared, like Deborah and I would tell you that vintage is part of our heart and soul. And, and we feel like we're a part of your story and you're a part of our story. I mean, we have just fall in love with this church, and we feel like we've seen it in all its iterations over the years. From the first conversation that Matt and I had where he, he said, I'm thinking about planting a church, and I was like, you crazy. Go for it. You can do it. Deborah, that fool has lost his mind. Why would he ever want to leave South Carolina, the greater Carolina, for this place? I'm just joking-ish. <laughs> we have believed in this place and I'm going to tell you right now I'm excited to be here in this building I know how hard you guys worked setting up and tearing down all that stuff for years and years and God is faithful God is so faithful to Vintage Church you guys got a good church here right? Amen. yeah 
I mean, it's so good. I might have to sneak over from Kernersville a few Monday nights a month and come have church with you guys. Do I got to pay tithe here? Do I got to do that? Oh, okay. And you guys have a great pastor. Great pastor. <laughs> I, I know that he doesn't like recognition, so I won't spend a, lo- a long time on that. But, but uh, you guys, there's, there's two things I know about Matt Smith. I call him Smitty. I, there's two things I know about Smitty. One, Matt Smith can't stand a mess. All right. He and I kind of grew up in ministry together, and we would attend a camp. We helped lead a camp together, and for some reason, year after year, we always would say, hey, we're rooming together, right? Yeah, we're rooming together. This is before I was married and all that good stuff, and, and uh, I'm, I'm less neat than he is. I wouldn't say I'm messy. He would say I'm messy, but <laughs> by the end of the week, we were like, why do we do this to each other? We drive each other crazy because Matt Smith can't stand a mess. If you didn't know that about him, now you know. The other thing is Matt Smith loves Venice Church loves Venice Church. And since we moved back to North Carolina, we lived in Indiana for nine years, and we moved back a couple years ago, and uh, it gives us the opportunity to get together every so often, and, and, and we used to go to Chipotle. That's his choice, not mine, because I don't like Chipotle. Barbaritos forever. Um, <laughs> and we get to sit and share uh, about what God's doing here, and it always warms my heart, because I know that, that God's doing an amazing thing in this little town called Randleman. And I'm excited to be here with you guys this morning. Typically, when you have a guest speaker come in, their responsibility is to help motivate you and excite you. And you go like into your car when you go home and you're excited and you're, yeah, and you're ready to charge hell with a water pistol, right? It's like, I can do anything. This is not going to be one of those mornings. As Matt and I shared about what we wanted this morning to be, it became abundantly clear from the Holy Spirit that there was a a deep level truth that he wanted me to share with you guys. And I'll be honest with you, I love church. God called me to the ministry, called me to serve the church when I was 14 years old, and and man, it's been a crazy ride since then, but, but he's always been faithful in that call to me, a call to serve the bride of Christ. And church has meant a lot to me. I wouldn't be who I am without church. But sometimes the church has made some pretty big missteps when it comes to communicating with its people about certain things. And and one of those things I want to talk to you about today. And the fear and the temptation that some of you are going to have is that when when I reveal to you what we're going to talk about today, the temptation you're going to have is to shut down. To say, nope, not going there today. I'm just going to check out, and I'm going to grab some lunch, and we're just going to go about our life. But my challenge to you this morning is to not do that. Because I believe that if we deal with this issue we're going to tackle today, it could be, it might be, it probably is, whatever it is in your life that's holding you back from taking that next step. It could be the thing that, that it could launch this church into its next phase of its life. Now, God's done some amazing things. I've heard the stories. But I believe that the best days are ahead. That God is nowhere near done with Venice Church. He has not put you on cruise control at all. I don't just mean that for the church. I mean that for you. That your best days are ahead. That God has not put you on cruise control. As long as you're still breathing, there's still work to be done. If you're not dead, you're not done. 
But for some of you, there's something we have got to get over, something we have got to start to move past. And it won't be easy, and it won't end today, but maybe it could start today. And that issue is your pain. That issue is your hurt. We all have been hurt. We all have faced struggles in our life. We have all had things happen to us that were outside of our control that have changed who we are. I know that I've had pain in my life. I've had people say things to me or say things about me and attack my character. There have been circumstances in my life that have caused me, and I don't mean the garden variety pain where someone has hurt my feelings. I mean fundamental touch my soul pain. And I know in a room this size that maybe you have experienced that as well, that in a room this big that there are people in here who have been neglected and who have been abused and something has happened to them that has happened to you that has changed who you are and has created a roadblock to what God wants to do in your life next. And the word we need to start to process today that can help you get down that road is forgiveness. Today, someone in this room needs to begin to walk down the road of forgiveness. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity we have to spend a few moments with you. And Lord, as we sang these songs that, that you laid on the heart of Christian and those who helped make those decisions, that we know they were not by accident. And we pray that, that we, we stood here and we raised our hands and we lifted our voices and we sang praise to you and, and we felt you in our heart. I pray that we would not let the devil, the enemy, sneak in right now and shut us down. That, that the, you are the God that we just sang about. You were, when we start talking about forgiveness, you are still God. And that you have us all here for a reason. None of us are here by accident. That you have a word for us this morning. So I pray that it would ring true and sink in. Our lives would be changed. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. So as I mentioned before, I do think the church has done a disservice to its people over time in miscommunicating what forgiveness is. And I think the problem is, is a misplaced expectation. We look, at, we look at God and we talk about the forgiveness of our sins, which is one of the most amazing things about our Creator is that He chooses to forgive us of all our transgressions at once forever. And Scripture talks about He not only forgives us of our sins, He forgets our sins. The Word talks about how He cast it into the sea of forgetfulness. He separates our sin from His love from us as far as the east is from the west. And that's an amazing truth of God, that we can walk in that redemption, that, that it's gone. That sin that you care, gone. But that's God's expectation that he placed on himself. He never placed that expectation on us. God limits his own power to forget your sin, your mistake, your past. Gone. But he never put that on you. Because he understands we don't have the ability to limit our power. We don't have the ability to forget our hurt. So the church has done a really bad job of telling you that truth, and therefore placing the expectation that God has himself on you. You are incapable of forgetting what has happened to you. And walking down the road of forgiveness isn't a deletion of the significance of what's happened to you. 
It's not a removal of that significance, but it is a roadblock to whatever comes next. See, God is not in the business of withholding from you. Like, sometimes we look at God and say, just pour it on me. I'm ready. We're ready. We just saying it. We're ready. Pour it on me, God. And God's like, I really, really want to, but there's something holding me back. God doesn't want to withhold a blessing from you. He wants to give it to you, but sometimes we've got to kick something out of the way. And for some of you, it's forgiveness. For me in my life, it's been forgiveness. Let's look at some scripture together to help drive this home. In Matthew chapter 6, we see this conversation that's, be honest with you, it's, it's hard. We see this line that Jesus draws in the sand. In Matthew chapter 6, it says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. This is not an easy portion of Scripture. I mean, Jesus draws this line in the sand, and basically, and guys, I've gone through this to try to find some ambiguity. Some hope that, that this isn't the way that it reads, but I can't. And it's scripture, so I have to tell you. It's truth. That when we don't forgive others in our life, it creates a blockage. And God can't forgive us. So we have to deal with this as peoples, as believers. We have to deal with this because it creates a disconnection between us and God. Sin creates a disconnection, but when we ask for forgiveness, it's gone. But this can create another disconnection that we have to deal with in the same way that we ask for forgiveness for our sins. We must forgive other people. Well, how do we figure this out? We need to understand a few things. One of the first things we need to understand is that God understands your hurt. We feel like we're going through it alone, but God understands. He says in Isaiah chapter 42, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. I mean, what a beautiful picture of this, this caring God. That he, he, I know what you're going through, and I'm going to be right there with you. And in fact, I think it's one of the truest pictures of, of God's love for us. I don't, I don't really know that, that as a parent, I've got a seven-year-old daughter, and I'm learning that some of the truest forms of love is to let her go through hard things. Man, as, a, as her daddy, I want to stand before her, and I don't want any of that stuff to touch her. But I'm not trying to raise a good child. I'm trying to raise a good adult. And she needs to learn some stuff. And sometimes the best way to learn stuff is to go through some mess. And God treats us the same way. He's not going to let it sweep over you, but he's going to let you go through some stuff. But he understands, and he's right there with you. Forgiving someone for the hurt that they've caused us, that deep, heart-changing, life-changing, soul-touching hurt does not mean that your pain is invalid. Sometimes, hey, you got to forgive it and get over it. Well, that, that's dumb. Your pain is valid. The great thing about forgiveness is that it actually helps us heal. You're, that forgiveness is not for them, it's for you. 
You got something in your life that's greater than where you are. And you've got to get through a healing process. Now, some of you are sitting there and you're kind of looking at me and you're a little angry, to be honest with you. You look at me, you're like, I don't even know you. You and your stupid pink flamingo shirt. <laughs> How can you stand up there and tell me that I need to forgive? You don't know what they've done to me. Like, you have no clue to what I've been through in my life. Stand up there and tell me I gotta forgive somebody. You don't even know. You're right, I don't. I don't know. I can't know. But a, a while back, I, I met someone. Her name's Dana. And after knowing her for a while, she told me this story of immense pain of, in her life and then how God began to work in her life and change her heart. I want to share that story with you, but I can't share it very well. For you to understand the gravity of what she walked through and how she dealt with this issue, it's better if she tells you the story. So check out this video real quick. January of 1982, I got off work at 2 o'clock in the morning and had stopped at a store two miles from my house. Went in and made my purchase and come out, and a car had pulled up beside me, and I didn't think anything about it. When I passed that car and went to get in my car, a man grabbed me from behind. He took me behind the store, and he raped me. He said, I know where you work, and I know where you live, and if you call the police, I will kill you just started praying, Lord, please get me through this. Please get me through this. I went to the doctor because my back was hurting and I thought I had just a kidney infection. And he told me, he said, you're three months pregnant. My mom just told me that she thought I should have an abortion. When I had him, he was so beautiful, so beautiful. And just as soon as the nurse gave him to me, I knew, I knew that what I had to do, that, that he was mine to raise. It took years, years. It took probably nine or 10 years before I could totally forgive him for what he did. It's, it's not on me anymore. As long as I had not forgiven him, he had power over me. He no longer has power over me. Will the memories ever go away? No, it won't. But the forgiveness will take you a long way. I said, I have something I need to tell you. I don't know who your father is. And I told him that the story about me being raped. He hugged me and he said, oh, mom, oh, mom. And he told me he loved me. And that was worth everything, everything. Years ago, I heard that story for the first time, and it changed my life. I, mean, I can't think of anybody in my life that's ever hurt me that bad, and if Dana could find it somewhere, based on the conviction of the Holy Spirit, to, to forgive, like, what excuse do I have? And I've, I've heard about and watched Dana 
share that story in, in settings like this and, and even with individuals and seeing how God has used it. It's a miracle. And today, I actually have a little surprise for you. Dana was actually able to be here today, so welcome her out. Uh, this, this little woman here, you know, has meant the world to me, and I've enjoyed our relationship and um, her obedience to Jesus Christ uh, to raise. She went on to have three other kids, to raise four kids, to love Jesus, and be an example. And this story, like I said, it changed my life. But the reason it changed my life, because... You call her Dana, but I call her mom. At 21 years old, she pulled me aside and told me this story, and it kind of wrecked my world. But I learned something really quickly in the moments after. That if she had not walked down the road of forgiveness, I literally wouldn't be here. Physically, spiritually. And that because of her faithfulness, because of her trust in the Lord, I've been able to see God weave together my story. Like, I'm not, look, I'm not special, but God has been very faithful to me. And if she had not walked down the road of forgiveness... I would not have this incredible life that God has blessed me with, and he's redeemed every single part of the story. Yeah. <laughs> and this little woman here that has meant the world to me, who I could not hand a microphone to because she would kill me after we got done because it's not her deal, but she taught me something valuable that I want to share with you. Those who are hurting the most... She taught me that I am not defined by my conception. I am not defined by the circumstances in my life. She is not defined by her attack. You are not defined by whatever happened to you. No matter how vile, no matter how hurtful, no matter how life-changing, you are not defined by that. Here's what you're defined by. You are a son or a daughter of the one true king. That's your definition. That's your identity. Nothing else. Your past, your brokenness, even places where you need to forgive yourself, you are not defined by those things. You're defined by Jesus Christ. That's what this little lady taught me. Everybody give her a hand. Thank you so much, Mom. Love you. <clears throat> and out of this story of brokenness, I have, I have a beautiful family. I've got an incredible wife that can honestly do this better than I can. I've got a little girl that I would put up against any of your children. She's way better. <laughs> she's mad at me right now because I made her go to church. She wanted to come and hang out with us because she's been at camp the last couple of days. But look, it's, it's been a long, hard road, but, but I have learned something. There's power in forgiveness. 
And I mentioned that God doesn't want to hold anything back from you. In fact, his scripture says that he wants to do more. He wants to do more than you can ask or imagine. And I'm a, I'm a, I'm a dreamer. I'm a visionary. I can imagine a lot. And God wants to do more for me. He wants to do more for you than you can even imagine. And at some point in your life, someone stole your imagination. They took it from you. You didn't have a choice. Today's the day you can take it back. You can take it back and begin to rewrite the story of your life. That things can be different. Things can change. You can find a place of help and healing. And whatever it is, whatever that thing that God has been dreaming up from you since before your conception, you can start taking it back today. You just got to deal with this little issue right here in the middle. This issue of forgiveness. Because it could be the thing that's holding you back from God's big next step in your life. I didn't say this first service. I'm going to say it now. And that issue could have generational impacts in your life. It could affect your legacy. I believe with all my heart, my mom's faithfulness in this issue will impact my daughter and her children if she ever finds a man that's worthy enough for her. <laughs> and their children and their children and their children. It has an impact on your legacy. It's not just about you. It's about those who come behind you. I'm a pragmatist by nature. I love next steps. I, I believe that, that if we just talk about things that make us feel good and we don't do anything about them, then they just made us feel good, and, and that's fleeting. A taco makes me feel good, okay? But I got to move on and do something else. So how do we actually figure this out in our life? How do we take a next step? I think there's three things that I found that my mom and I did, and as we've shared this story, things that have, have been proven true in my own life, that if I do these things, I can start to walk down the road of forgiveness. So let's go over them together. First, we have to understand that forgiveness isn't conditional. I don't like it. That's hard. Unconditional forgiveness, without condition, no fine print. It's interesting, like, we, we don't like to give it, but we, we like to get it. We look at this thing called grace, where God, Jesus Christ, gives us something we do not deserve. We like to get that. But forgiveness is just, it's just grace transferred. It's just grace that we're supposed to give someone else. I mean, you don't think that you've hurt God? He loves you and knows you more intimately than you know yourself. You don't think it's hurt him when we've made mistakes? But yet, boom, he gives us grace, and we're supposed to extend that down. So it's this beautiful gift that he, he gives us, but it's also an example of how he expects us to interact with other people. We can't have this mentality of, well, if they do this, then I'll do this. It can only be given not achieved. That's hard. We are works-based people. Here's the truth. They don't deserve your forgiveness. They don't. They never will. That's why we have to give it freely. One thing that my mom said in that video that really always sticks out to me every time I watch it 
is that she says, as long as I didn't forgive, he had power over me. Those people in your life that hurt you, they'll continue to hurt you until you forgive them. Here's what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean you have to allow people to hurt you over and over again. For some of you, you got a person in your life that continues to hurt you over and over again. And this, this issue of forgiveness is a struggle because you're like, well, I'm going to forgive them. They're just going to hurt me all over again. And you're probably right. What that means is that you need to disconnect some people from your life. You need to not allow them access to your life anymore. There is nothing in this life more difficult than, than removing or disconnecting relationships. It's always painful, but sometimes it's always necessary. I just said sometimes always. <laughs> sometimes there are people in our lives that we just need to get out of our lives. For me, it was my, my dad. It gets confusing. Just hang out with me for a second. It's my sibling's biological father. And after years and years and years of, of drug abuse and alcohol abuse and, and verbal and, and, and physical abuse, watching that man destroy my family, I had to get to a point where I forgave him. But I also had to say, I can't have you in my life anymore. And the church has done a, good, a really bad job of making those things congruent, and they're not congruent. I believe with all my heart that you can absolutely forgive someone unconditionally and then don't allow them a platform in your life to hurt you or those you love anymore. For some of you, the harder thing you're going to have to do is walk away from a relationship that's caused you pain and that will not change. So forgiveness is unconditional. We got to stop the cycle of pain by limiting someone's access or removing someone's access to our life. Second thing is, understand that forgiveness must be complete. I don't like that one much better. We, we as people, we like things defined right in front of us. Like, how many teachers do we have in the room? Bless you guys. Awesome. So excited for your summertime. We're all jealous of you this time of year. I don't like math. But I like things spelled out in front of me. Like, I like one plus one equals two. Well, here in the scripture we're going to look at, we see this, this weird biblical math where things seem to line up, but then there's this really weird thing that happens at the end. We see Peter and Jesus having this interaction, and they're talking about the issue of forgiveness. And you saw it on the screen earlier. We're going to talk about it again. It's in Matthew chapter 18. It says, Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? We like this. It's like, well, tell me. Jesus, tell me how many times I have to forgive someone before I can cut them loose. And you, you have used up all your forgiveness chips, and you are done. Thank you. See you down the road. Okay? We like this as people because it's like if I have to forgive someone seven times on the eighth time, I'm kicking them out. They're gone. I'm done giving you forgiveness. And then Peter follows up with a question and says, up to seven times? And they're like, all right, seven times. And Jesus responds, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Now, here's what's interesting about that, is we see Jesus take a huge step forward in this forgiveness math. But even then, we're like, well, that's a lot more than seven. But okay, 77 times, boom, got it. 78, you're done. 
But when we dig into the scripture a little bit more, we see something kind of interesting. This is what I call biblical math. In scripture, the number seven is the number of completion. So it's not actually about the number. What Peter's really asking is, do I have to get, forgive someone completely? And Jesus takes it a huge step further, even more than we realize, and says, yes, and. Yes, and don't stop, don't keep count, keep going, keep forgiving. You know, when, when we experience salvation, we say, I got saved, or I am saved, or, and we put it all in the past tense, right? Because we, we think back to that moment where we had an encounter with Jesus Christ. But if we dig into that word and what it means in the scripture, it, it's, it's this thing called present participle. I just impressed some of you guys. Um, it means we got saved, and we are continually being saved. It's like, I am saved and saving, I-N-G on the end of it. Well, forgiveness is very similar in nature. That we have a moment where we experience forgiveness, where we give forgiveness freely, but then it's a process, and we'll talk more about that in a second, of continually forgiving someone throughout our lives. It's not just this one moment. You know, me and my mom, we didn't wake up one morning and say, oh, I feel like I forgave my mother's rapist this morning. That's a process. Jesus said, don't keep count. Keep going. Keep forgiving. There are no degrees of forgiveness. Now, I think it's important to say something before we go any further. Forgiving someone and continuing that, continuing that process does something to us that we as Americans specifically, we do not like. As Americans, we don't like to give up rights. Our rights are very important to us, which that's, that's great. But I'm a believer before I'm an American. That means I look to Jesus for how else to interact with my life. And that means I give up some of my rights from time to time because I trust God more than I trust me. And one of those rights I waive as I'm forgiving someone is the right to throw it back in their face. Because what that means is I haven't forgiven them. Look, I, I know the pain is still there. I know the hurt is still there. And I'm not saying what they did is okay forever. But if we're truly walking down the road of forgiveness, we have to show some discipline and show that person grace. And that means that topic is now off limits. For some of you, this is something that's going on in your house. That the person that you're trying to forgive and you're trying to walk down the road of forgiveness, or you need to, lives in your own home. And there are arguments that happen between you and your spouse. And something that happened months ago or years ago comes back up. And that rift is right there again. It needs to stop. You're never going to find healing. Your relationship is never going to find healing if you continually throw back in each other's face the past mistakes. Look, nobody, nobody likes to be told what they did wrong. I know, I know for me, that's like the worst. I'm like, I know, I know what I did. I have to deal with the guilt and shame from that. I don't need you to bring it back up. And it sends a very clear message that forgiveness isn't there. Finally, as we begin to wrap things up today, I know I just said that forgiveness isn't conditional. 
and that, that forgiveness must be complete. But I also understand, but dot, 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 it's a process. It's, you know, I told you my mom's story, and it's really her story, and, you know, she, she challenges me every day, and I'm so thankful for her. But the ability for, for us to come out and talk about this is the result of a long process where there were a lot of people along the way, including your pastor, who, who stepped in and kind of stood in the gap for us. Nobody expects you to get all there. You know, Rome wasn't built in a day. Like, like, people are so much more complicated. It's a process. A process that you were not designed and you are incapable of going through alone. We had help. You need help. And like I said, forgiveness doesn't mean, mean, mean the pain goes away. There are still some pretty dark days in our life as we deal with the issues that we have. There are still days and struggles that I have when I have to think about what happened to one of the most important people in my life. When I think about what it means for me. When I, when I think about, where's my biological father right now? What's he doing? Does he have other children? Did he do this to other people? What race is he? I'll be honest with you, that's a head trip right there. But let me tell you the most difficult, the darkest day that I had. It wasn't the day my mom told me. It wasn't the day that we told my other siblings. It wasn't, it wasn't then. It was years and years later when I had already begun to walk the road of forgiveness, when I had gotten past the point where I was praying for my biological father, praying that the only way I was ever going to meet him and know anything about him was if he accepted Christ and was in heaven, and I got to meet him there. Think about that for a second. But that, that, that wasn't it. The darkest day was actually a really happy day. It was a few weeks after Deborah and I found out that we were having Annabeth, and we're excited. And I, I'm telling you, I was stoked to be a dad. I am that dad. I will show you a picture of Annabeth right now. I got it on lock. And we're sitting at the doctor's office, and, you know, it's just like, oh, my gosh, we're going to have a kid. And I didn't know what to expect. I, like, I didn't, you know, it's like, this is part of the process. Let's go to the doctor. And, yay, you know. And we're sitting there, and they're talking to us about the process. And, and then the doctor said something that stopped me dead in my tracks. Dr. Kaiser looked at my wife and said, tell me about your family history. And in that moment, I realized I had no clue what I was bringing genetically into my daughter's life. And in that moment, I had to trust the Lord with my daughter's entire life, right there in that moment. I know that I've been around my mom when she's being faithful to God's call in her life to share her story and help people who've been through similar circumstances and, and, and watch her in, in strength have conversations, and then, and then walk away feeling broken because Satan's attacking her and bringing back memories of, of, of what she went through. There are still dark days, but I believe that our pain has purpose. I believe your pain 
has purpose. You may not be able to see it now. You may not even believe it now, but I pray that this word would take root in your heart and it would grow in God's time, that there will be a time. If you walk down the road of forgiveness, if you're faithful to the leading of the Holy Spirit, that one day, one day from a place of strength, you'll be able to help someone who's in a situation very similar to what you went through. I've seen in my own life, I've had the privilege of, of sharing this story and telling our story in front of thousands of people over the last 15 years. And almost every time, almost every single time, someone has come up to one of us and said, man, I've got a story very similar. And we've been able to encourage them, counsel with them, there's a girl named Trisha who lives out in Philadelphia. I led a mission trip out there years ago. And about six weeks after we got home, I shared my story there in a devotional. About six weeks after we got home, I got a phone call at 3 o'clock in the morning. Spent like four days with this girl. She had found out that night that her biological father was not who she thought he was. And at 3 o'clock in the morning, I'm in a stupor and able to share some encouragement to someone. I believe that's God being faithful because my mom first walked down that road and then challenged me to do the same. But it's a process. God did not cause your pain, but he sure will use it. Here's how I know. Romans 8, 28. I love the scripture. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. All things, all things, everything in your life that you've gone through, everything that you're, in your life that has caused you pain, God will use it. He didn't cause it, but he will use it for those who love him who are called according to his purpose. And sometimes we need to take a step back and realize that it's not really about us. There's something greater. And we have the privilege of being a part of God's greater story. But we've got to start with walking down the road of forgiveness. That it's the thing that's holding us back from God's next step for us. Speaking of next steps, I told you that I love them. So I want to leave you with some challenges. And that, that really just a question. What is your next step? What are you going to do next? I believe some of you need to respond in obedience and to begin to walk down the road of forgiveness. For some of you, that means you need to get up out of your seat. You need to walk across the room and have a conversation with someone that may, may not even know that they hurt you. Look, it's church. Y'all got a great church here. It's church. People get hurt. For some of you, you need to leave out of here. As soon as you get done, you need to wait to go to the whatever Mexican restaurant that we're all going to. You need to pick up that phone. You need to call somebody and say, I'm not there yet, but I'm going to begin to forgive you. For some of you, you need to look at your spouse in the eye. Say, I don't have all the answers yet, but I'm going to begin to forgive you. I believe there's a son in this room that has an estranged and strained relationship with their father. You need to call your dad. I know he's, he's a dad, but you need to be the bigger man. 
and say, I don't have any answers, but I'm beginning to forgive you. Don't wait. Don't wait till tomorrow. Do it today. Don't give Satan that room, that space. For some of you, your next step is actually to respond in obedience here in this moment. We're going to sing a song here in just a second. And I want you to listen intently to the words. Because I believe God picked this song for this moment for you to hear something that you need to hear. And in that moment, if you need to come down front and kneel and be prayed for, if you need to go off to the side and just spend a moment alone with God, whatever you need to do, you need to respond in obedience. And my prayer is that this would be a day that you look back on and say, that's when things changed forever. Let's pray together. Lord, I am so thankful for the power of forgiveness in my life, for the redemption, the redemption that can be given between two people. You created us as relational beings. You created us as people who belong in community together. But sometimes that creates strife and difficulty. Lord, I pray for those who are here today that maybe even their heart's still a little hard towards this idea that you're leading them towards. That as we sing, you would melt their heart. I pray for courage and boldness for someone to make a difficult phone call or have a difficult conversation. I pray for boldness and courage to say, I can't do this on my own. Lord, for those in this room who need help, who need someone to come alongside them, I pray that they would reach out to the team here at Vintage. If they would make a phone call and say, I need to talk, I need to process, I need to be honest about what's going on in my life. For those who have those fundamental hurt and pain, I pray that you would help them reach out even to a professional. That you would open up resources and avenues and willingness to do whatever it takes. That their pride would never ever get in the way of doing exactly what you called them to do. And Lord, then I, I praise you for what comes next. I give you glory for what comes next how you change lives and you heal marriages and you bring restoration to brokenness. You bring families back together, sons back to, to fathers and, and daughters back to mothers. And then how you change this church, thus this community through the power of forgiveness. So I praise you for that that has not happened quite yet. In your name we pray. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net.